Hey family, welcome to the Grabbing My Sword podcast. Here we are honest about our mistakes, we are open about our journey, and we are looking to be transformed through the word of God. I pray that this podcast will bless your soul, and I pray that you will enjoy it. God bless you. What's up, what's up good people? Welcome back to the Grabbing My Sword podcast. I am glad that you uh, tuned in today. You see, I got my coffee. I'm, I'm recording this in the morning time, so I got my coffee. Starbucks cup. Got my water next to me, too, because I will get dehydrated while talking. But I'm so glad that you joined. If this is your first time, Thank you for uh, tuning in and listening, and I hope that you will continue to come back for more. Like I said before on this podcast, we're going to be vulnerable. We're going to be honest uh, about our mistakes. We're going to be open about our journey, and we are going to be looking to be transformed. So I am truly truly excited about this podcast and like i said we're going to be talking a lot about everything connecting it to the bible and one of the topics that i would i i want to press on a lot to is mental health awareness and that's what i want to really talk about today um it's mental health awareness because believe it or not this generation is going through it the cultural norm in the black community and I can we can say other cultures too um they are afraid to talk about it they don't want to talk about it they don't want to to even bring it up but that that is something that needs to bring brung up because believe it or not we suffer from it we suffer from depression we have issues with anxiety we're human all right we have emotions and sometimes our emotions are good and sometimes our emotions are bad but it always seems like when our emotions are bad or let me say it always seems like when our emotions feel make it seems like we're a weak person we ignore it or we shut it out or we say you tripping, are you you doing too much? Are you crazy? You don't like we try to downplay, we try to water it down. And that's not the way that it's supposed to be. When you have your emotions that are sad, that are um make you seem weak, you should not water it down, not downplay, but you should talk about that. And what I noticed about my life is growing up in my household, we never had those heart to heart conversations. And when I say heart to heart conversations, I mean the type of question, the type of conversation where it's like, how are you? If somebody was struggling, if somebody was having a bad day, somebody was just down and out and they were feeling sad. We never had those heart to heart conversations. We never had those moments where, 
we can lean on each other we can cry with each other we we didn't do that in our household shoot to be honest we didn't even tell each other we we love each other until like recently like now that everybody is growing up and older now and it just made me think about how many families are the same exact way they don't hold those hard-to-heart conversations i was actually uh i was on a trip with my cousin and my my cousins and my aunties and them and my cousin (laughs) he's so funny um he's the type of person that if you cry he's going to like do what everybody else do like like bro you're doing too much like shut up don't nobody want to see you crying and we were talking about it in the car one day he's like Tavon and Deja they're the two most emotional people out of everybody like they they're just emotional like they the first to cry and all this and I don't like crying like that's not how we grew up you know we we grew up to suck it up tough it up and just go on and then he made an interesting comment. He was like, shoot, we didn't even tell each other we love him. Like, we don't hear that from each other. Like, we grew up fighting each other and, and all of this. And it's like, dang, but that's true because that's how most of the people in a black community probably grew up and probably in other communities. We grew up not showing affection and love, but showing tough love. We all know that tough love can be very like you know like it it can be very confusing because it can be in a loving way but the way that they are presenting it makes it seem like bro do you dislike me or something but that's how we grew up and I even struggle with that with the tough love like I'm a very 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 blunt person and I don't mean to be blunt but I am but my bluntness is because I was taught at a young age, um, to be blunt by my my parents, grandparents, all of them, um, they spoke to me in a way that, like, we're not watering it down because you're a kid. We're going to tell you how life is. So that's how I am. Like, I'm going to do the same exact thing. I'm not going to water down, down something when it pertains to your situation. I'm going to tell you how it is. But we have a lot of friends that because we don't want to hurt feelings, because we don't want to make this person feel bad, we water this situation down. But me, I'm a blunt person. I'm going to tell you how it is and how it ain't. And that's my form of tough love. And not everybody can handle that tough love. And not everybody, you know, can, can deal with that. And some people going to look at me like, yo, you're rude. But I'm not being rude. I'm just showing the love that I was shown when I was little. And when I was growing up, but then I realized that it came a point in time where like that tough love was not enough for me and I needed a different type of love. I needed a true intimate intimacy type of love. I needed that comforting love, not that love of get back up. You can do it. Don't quit. Don't give up. What are you crying for? Like that, that love was cool to teach me how to persevere during the hard times. But then I needed a love that told me, like, listen, hey, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be frustrated. It's even okay to want to think about giving up. It's okay to 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 
to feel these emotions. It's okay to, you know, want to be like, man, I don't know no more. It's okay to not know. I needed that type of love as I got older. And I did receive that type of love. And like I like I said earlier, I'm an emotional person. Like, if I see you cry, I'm going to nine times out of ten cry. If I'm watching a movie and it gets sad, I might cry. If I'm listening to a love song and it's in home, I might cry. I I cry. Okay? I, I cry. I cry, I cry, I cry. Because... To me, crying is a form of releasing whatever I was holding in. It's a form. Is crying is healthy, believe it or not. Like when I cry, I feel good afterwards. Like that was good to, you know, release that. So I'm an emotional person, and I think it's also because I'm a passionate person. Like I really care. If you ever see me in a, a, a screaming match with somebody or if you ever see me like frustrated or something or just you see my emotions very been been expressed that's because I care I'm very passionate I'm very passionate about caring for people I'm very passionate when I'm probably playing a game I'm I'm a very competitive person so my emotions shows most passionate people their emotion is going to show when things are good and when things are not the way that they want them to be because they just care and they want something to work they want something to go the way that it should be planned so because i'm passionate i'm also emotional and there was a time like i told you last last episode I struggled with depression and um during my depression I was very very emotional I'm talking about it was like a roller coaster it was bad uh it all started back in I want to say 2019 now let me say this when before I came to college when I was living at home I'm under my mama's roof I'm playing football basketball baseball I ran track so I'm always active. I had jobs and stuff. So I was going to school, working, playing sports, doing all three of those things. So I was always active. I was always doing something. When I got to college, for the first time in my life, I did not have sports to play as a team. I did go to the rec and play basketball. But I didn't have that routine of exercising and doing stuff like that. All I really had was school my freshman year I didn't I don't think I worked for a couple of months like didn't work when I went back home for the winter break the job that I was supposed to have they didn't even let me come back I don't know Walmart was weird uh anybody know the Walmart sorry if you click yeah so I didn't even work there so for freshman year and stuff, life was starting to be different to me. I was on my, I was living at in a dorm, so wasn't at home, all like that. And um, <coughs> for two years, um, I would say that it was a struggle to adapt to college life. 
Now I like being in college. I like being on my own. I didn't have to worry about mama saying washing the dishes, but it was still hard. And in 2019, going into my sophomore year, is that sophomore year? So 2017 and 2018 is, no, 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 I'm so, sorry. Going into my junior year uh, of college was when I hit my heart. We're depressed. It really, you know, it started early in 2019, I can probably say. No, I take that back. I'm sorry, y'all. It started in 2000, the end of 2018. End of 2018, I really, like, didn't give it no thought that, yeah, we might be depressed. It was in 2019 where that's when I started to give it the thought. So I want to say the end of 2018. That's where I really started to feel it. And that was because, like, I was trying to figure out this whole college thing, and it was it was just frustrating. Like, it was it was annoying. But my junior year, in the summer of 2019, I uh, probably had the worst summer of my life. I was working when I went back home from school. I had two jobs and stuff. But a lot of times, I would spend time just crying. I would just spend a lot of time listening to music, not wanting, not wanting to talk to nobody, masking my emotions and stuff, still putting on the smile on my face because, believe it or not, I was a strong friend. Like, I was the friend that always smiled, always encouraged everybody else. So I had to daily wake up and put on this mask. And it became a point in time where I just couldn't take it no more. After the summer of 2019, we go back to school. Um, I started talking to this girl who I really liked, like really liked. She, yeah, I really liked her. I believed that um, God called me to be with her. Ugh, this is ugly talking about, but anyway, um. And I remember praying to God, like, God, okay, I want to be with this girl for the rest of my life. And remind you, like, I don't usually say that to God. Like, if you know me, you know that I'm not the one to settle down. Like, I'm the friend that he's talking to a different girl every two weeks. That was the type of person that I was. But because I felt drawn to her, I thought that this I was mature enough to be with her. And I remember telling God, like, I want to be with her. And God was like, Tavon, um, okay, listen, are you sure? I said, yeah, God, I'm sure. Now, when God asks you a question, it's not because God don't know. God knows the answer to that. He was trying to see if I knew it. I'm like, yes, I'm sure I want to be with this girl. He says, okay. All right. I'm going to let you. You, if you sure, go ahead. So I went ahead and I told this girl how much I wanted to be with her, how much I like liked her, and I just remember her response to this day. Like she liked, hey, I've been through a lot. I'm not an experiment. I'm not saying that you can experiment. So if you're not ready, that's okay. I'm like, you know, girl, 
I had a dream about you last night. God told me you was the one for me. You know, uh, and we started talking. And two weeks later, show enough. God showed me that I was not ready because I lied to this girl about the stupidest thing and couldn't believe it. So that happened. Not only did that happen, I think two weeks later, uh, one of my friends, he died in a car crash. And that was somebody that we had was like brothers and then we filled out over stupid stuff and I never got the chance to rehash that or rekindle that relationship the next day my grandfather dies and then on top of that I'm starting a, a, a campus ministry where I'm leading a bible study and I'm leading this bible study and I hear the lie of the enemy telling me you're not capable or worthy enough to lead this so all of this is happening all at once. And I just, oh, not to mention, I didn't have a job. So I was struggling to meet ends meet. So I had was, I just got to the point where it's like, I'm done. Like, I am completely done. And none of my friends knew this because, once again, I tell you, I'm the strong friend. They look at me. They get motivated. They get inspired. They they love how I, I act, how I go about things. But boy, if they could see the inside of what was going on in my mind, <laughs> they would see, oh, snaps, he's about to exit. But one day after a Bible study, it was sometimes in, in October, so this was like a month after I lied to this girl, a couple of weeks after my friend and grandfather died we had bible study i was teaching on love to me i didn't think the conversation went well but everybody was laughing it was they like loved it after everybody left it was just me and my friends it was me alani kyla i think tony and ray and jaya and we was cleaning up packing up I just sat down on the table, and I'm I'm also let me say I'm a very dramatic person, so you you now you know that I'm passionate, emotional, and I'm dramatic. Like, I if I'm crying, I probably slide down the wall. Like I'm over, I'm dramatic. <laughs> I sat on the table, and I just put my head down. <sighs> and Kyla, she was like, "Come on, Tay, come on, it's time to go." And I just looked, and I was like. <sighs> She like, what? What's wrong? And that's all I needed. And tears just started to flow down. And I was like, and I feel like I'm about to cry right now. I hope not. Um, and I sat there and I was like, uh, dude, I don't feel like I'm doing a good enough job. Like, I don't feel like I gained these people's attention. I feel like I lost their attention. I don't feel like they got what they needed tonight. I don't feel like I'm leading these people in the right direction. I don't feel like I'm making impact. And she said, what? She said, Tay, Tayvon, look at 
all these people that came today. Now, there's other college ministries on campus. They don't even show up to those, but they showed up to yours. And then Ray in the back, like, right, Tay, right. You tripping, bro. Come on. Like, come on, Tay. <laughs> I'm over dramatic, but Ray is like, he takes it to a whole other level. You, you got this, bro. Like, you, you inspired me to want to get closer to God. And they just sent me words of encouragement, but I still cried. But from 2019 and on, this depression it was like a roller coaster. So after that, I feel good. I feel straight. Boom, hit another patch. Not doing good. So then I'm like, all right, we got to go to therapy. And for me to say that, it took a lot because I, too, just like every other person that hates ther- doesn't like therapy, I had the same questions or the same concerns. I made the same statements. Why in the world would I sit in a stranger's home or office on a stranger's couch? They don't know nothing about me. Why in the world would I sit there and tell them about my life? Why would I open up to a stranger? And I remember saying that, but I remember praying to God. Just asking him, like, please help me to be vulnerable because I need to talk to somebody about my problems. And I went and I talked. And the first, well, okay, so the first meeting I had, It was actually a a group meeting. So it was like group counseling. So it was like five of us in this room. Now I had my individual counseling meeting uh, two days after this group counseling meeting that I had. So I want to say the meeting had to, the group counseling meeting had to be on a Monday. But anyway, long story short, we're in this group counseling meeting and this girl, she's sitting next to me and her leg is shaking. You know how people sit there and they just shake their leg. And she just keeps shaking and she just keeps shaking and she just keeps shaking. I look over somewhere else and it's another girl. She fiddling with something. I see something. I look over. I see the dude. He got his head down. I look at another dude. I don't even know what he was doing. But it was like everybody's anxiety. I was feeling all that. And the the group counselor she was she was talking to us she was showing us a powerpoint and i just i stopped her i said ma'am i gotta excuse myself I was like i can't do this because first of all this girl sitting next to me i didn't say this but this one thinking my head her anxiety is really what's killing me so i got up and i left and i waited to my individual counseling meeting and i went to it and um i sat down so she like She's a black lady. I, I'm grateful that I got to pick my counselor, and she reminded me of my grandmother, somebody who I could always be comfort, com- comfortable with and confide in. So I sit down. She's like, yeah, I heard you. You left the group counseling me. You didn't like it? I'm like, no, I didn't like it. She's like, okay. And then she asked me, "What? so what made you want to start coming to counseling? And it was silent for, like, a good minute. So we just sat there like this. 
And after a while, my head is down. Like, I'm not even looking at her. I just, boy, you'd have thought my mama died. All right. I just started crying. Like, I'm. not coming down my nose or just all of that like I'm crying and I'm like I'm sorry I'm, 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 I'm sorry it's like oh no need to be sorry it's alright and I was just like man I just I don't know like life is hard like I did not know that college was going to be this hard I did not know that college was going to be like this but that's where I was at with it. And that first meeting, I let out all those tears. And I continued to come back. But what I realized as I came back and forth that I w- every time I would leave my meeting, some days I was good and some days I was bad. Some days I was good, some days I was bad. It was just on and off. Like I said, it was a roller coaster. But therapy brought a lot out of me. That I did not know that I had inside of me. And it was whoever, it was what I needed. And I say that to say that we have to get past the stigma, get past the lies, get past the false perception that we can't talk about our issues to a complete stranger. We can't be vulnerable. We have to get past all that. We have to let our cars down. Because I promise you, when you let out what's on the inside of you, you'll feel much better. And what I realized through my journey of depression, that it is okay to not be okay. Now, I'm still dealing with life. I'm still dealing with my depression. But what I realized by myself is that I'm a high-functioning depression person. Like, I can function with my depression. I still get up and I still do things. I still get stuff done. I still try to stay on top of stuff. So I can I can function with my depression. But other people, you might not hear from them for weeks and weeks and weeks. Because their depression is too hard to function with. But whatever season or state that they're in man it's okay to not be okay like it is okay to cry men have been taught to be emotionless that that's how we've been taught we've been taught you can't cry you can't show emotion because once you do that you're showing that you're weak and it's like so you want me to be a robot like men have been trained to be a robot. Robots have no emotions, no feelings. They lack understanding. And that's what the world has tried to get men to ultimately do. Lack this understanding of ourselves. Jesus, that's good. They want us to lack understanding of ourselves, not of the world, but of ourselves. If we can lack understanding of ourselves, we don't know who we are. That's what the enemy wants. The enemy wants the man to lack the identity. 
Because if the men can lack identity, guess what? Everybody else after the man would be sitting in chaos too. Because the Bible teaches us that the man is the head of the household, the man is the leader. So if you take away the alpha, who's going to lead? If you take away the leader, then what do you have? Say, for instance, Jesus got taken away. Where's our prime example that the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12 that Jesus is the prime example of our faith? If Jesus got taken away and we never knew nothing about Jesus, first of all, how are we going to have a relationship with God? Because Jesus' blood is the one that tore the veil between us and God. But secondly, where is my example on how to be a godly man? Where's my example on how to live right? Watch this. Where's my example on how to be weak? Because Jesus showed us in the Garden of Gethsemane what vulnerability looks like. It means to be honest about our mistake. I mean, not our mistakes, about what we are feeling in that moment. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, Father, if it is possible, please let this cup pass me by. He said, give it to somebody else. Now, this is the same Jesus that was walking around talking about some, hey, listen, I'm going to prepare another place for you. I'm not going to be with you long. Somebody, like, I got to go. I'm going to leave you with the advocate, the Holy Spirit. He's going to walk with you. He's going to talk with you. He's going to live inside of you. He was the one that was saying all of this. But just when they were about to come and take him captive to go to the cross, Jesus went into the garden of Gethsemane. He says, listen here, Daddy. Um, if it's possible, please get this to somebody else. Like, listen, I don't know about this no more. Like, hey, I kind of like life. I like what I'm doing right here. Like, I'm healing everybody. I like the miracles that I'm doing. I might want to go turn some more water into wine. You know, hey, please get this to somebody else. Jesus shows us the prime example of vulnerability. And that was him being honest about not wanting to do this more. So if Jesus was taken away, where's my example? And that's the same way with the man. If the man is taken away, where is my example on how to be a man? I did not have a father in my life. Let me say that. Uh, let me scratch that. I take that back. My father, my father, father was not in my life. But going to therapy, watch this, I learned that I was so focused on what was not there that I could not see that was there. I had a father figure in my life. My stepfather, who I need to stop calling my stepfather because he is my father, was in my life since I was two years old. He'd been to football games, basketball games. He, well, Our birthdays is one day apart. His is August 26th, mine is August 27th. He bought me clothes, food take me to school, got my hair cut, like he's been there every step of the way. Every step of the way. And he was my example. And, whew, Jesus, <laughs> I had somebody there to show me how to be a man. 
But because I was so focused on what was not there, I became like what was not there. I was becoming, let me not say I became, I was becoming what was like there. I was becoming like the father that was not around. The father that walked around with this tough attitude mentality. This father that walked around like they knew every single thing. This father that wanted to be in control. Because I was focused on what was not there, I was becoming just like that. But I love how we have an example of of vulnerability. The greatest scripture in Bible, if you ask me, is in verse 36. I think it's John 16, 36. Let me just make sure I got that right. John. Let's put John 11, sorry. John 11, verse, it should be 36, not 35. John 11, 35, okay? It's two words. This is one of the top five greatest scriptures. Two words, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. John 11, 31. Jesus wept. He cried. He let out what was inside of him. Men, men, listen to me. Jesus wept. He saw that Lazarus was dead. He saw Mary weeping. He saw that the Jews who also came along with her was weeping, and he was deeply moved in the spirit, and in the trouble, and and he was troubled, and he wept. Jesus cried, but society is telling men not to cry. Society is telling men that you're soft if you cry, you're weak if you cry, but the Son of God, the one who has all power. In his hands, the one who was and is and is to come, the one who would defeat the enemy, who went to death, hell, and the grave and defeated it, the one who went down into hell and killed our enemies, he wept. He saw everybody else crying, and he was deeply troubled he was moved in the spirit meaning that in the spirit the spirit helped him to weep jesus cried jesus shows us in moments where we know it is said sad we can weep in moments where we know that this is not a laughing matter, this is not something that I should be smiling in, this is something that I should be crying in, he wept. But yet, it's not okay for men to cry. Why? Why can't I cry? Why can't I feel sad? Why can't I have tears? flowing down my cheeks why 
because people are going to look at me and say he's weak. Please. Paul teaches me that when I am weak, then I am strong. You mean that it, when I'm weak, I'm strong? You mean to tell me that it takes strength to be weak? That's what you're trying to tell me? That vulnerability requires strength? So you mean to tell me this all this time, when I'm strong, when I'm acting strong, let me say that, all this time when I'm acting strong, that's where true weakness is? is? You mean the acting of being strong is insanity? You know how insane you look acting strong in a moment where it's like, bro, be weak. Bro, cry. You have to be insane to tell yourself, I'm not crying. Y'all tripping. What is the matter with y'all? Like, my cousin is low-key insane. He got shot, and I called him crying. And this this Negro is going to hang up on me because I was crying. That's insane. That's crazy. You have to be insane to fake like nothing's wrong. It's okay to not be okay. Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong. Meaning that in his weakness, he found strength. Not in himself, but in Christ. To be weak means that I am strong. When I am able to admit that I am weak, that took strength. Because it goes against the popular demand. To admit that you don't got it all together. It takes strength to say, I cried last night. It takes strength to say, I cried over a person. I cried over a girl. Oh, I thought I was weak when I cried. I said, boy, you, you, I thought I was insane for crying. I said, I can't believe you cried, you crying over her? I cried. But I had to realize I'm human. And human ha- humans have emotions. But men, society wants to strip us of our identity. They don't want us to have emotions. We're supposed to walk around with our chest stuck out. Now we in this new day and age. If men do show their emotions, they're called sassy. I don't get that. Somebody, please help me understand. Showing emotions means that you're sassy now? Because I have a problem with what you just said and I probably yell or I became angry or I expressed my emotions, I'm sassy? The same girls that's called the sassy was the same girls that was wanting us to express emotion. And then y'all wonder why men don't express emotion. Y'all wonder why. Men walk around 
And when y'all ask us, is everything going to say, okay, we say, yeah, knowing that everything is not okay. Because we feel like if we do open up, we're sassy. Help me understand because I don't get it. Y'all want us to not be humans. But man, this pot, this episode was for you. This episode was to tell you that it is okay to not be okay. Forget what society thinks. Forget what they got to say. Forget how they feel. It is okay to not be okay. Stop holding in the emotions. Imagine trying to walk around not being able to breathe. Imagine holding in your breath 24-7. You will die from not being able to breathe. That is the same way with the emotions. If you hold your emotions on the inside of you, and if you do not let out your emotions, you will suffocate yourself and you will die. Let it out. Tell me what's wrong. Cry. Let that frustration out. The Bible says you can be angry. Just sin not. Have your moment where you don't want to do this no more. Where they are making you mad. Have your moment where the tears are flowing down your face. Have your moment. Where you, when you just, ah, I can't do this. Have your moment. Where you just need to talk to somebody. And say, bro, I'm not okay. I'm hurting. I don't know what to do. I don't understand why I feel this way. Have your moment. Have that moment. Embrace that moment. Live in that moment. Sit in that moment. Lay in that moment. You have the right to feel what you feel. You have the right to cry. It is your human right. Why? Because Jesus wept. I'll close on this. One day, 2020, I told y'all last episode that I used drinking to battle with my depression, thinking that it was going to make me feel good about myself, thinking it was going to make me feel better. My friend Tony, he doesn't go out to parties, but he knew if I was going to a party, he had to go with me because I was going to get drunk. (laughs) And in 2020, I just remember, like, after my birthday and stuff, I was going to kill myself. I was still talking to the me and the girl that I had lied to. We were on and off. But I had planned... Our birthdays is two days apart, so our, I planned us to, for, I planned us a date to Capitol Grill. We went out, we was going to go out to eat, gave her these gifts and stuff, but, and she was about to go to the Army in, a, in like two months. Um, 
I planned that. I planned to just be with my family, love on them, have a great time with them. But one night I got drunk, and I didn't mean to reveal my plan, but I revealed it to my friend Tony, who we went to college together, but we also grew up together, so we've been knowing each other since we was 13. And I remember leaving the party, walking home. I'm, I'm drunk. I don't want to meet her no more. This was the night where instead of the drunkness making me happy, the drunkness made me cry. <laughs> and Tony caught up to me. I had Texas girl that night, like, dang, like, you leaving in a couple of months, and not gonna see you no more, like, I knew me, and her relationship was over, and when she left, like, it was no coming back, but Tony caught up to me, we got off on the third floor, Tony lived on the second floor, I lived on the third floor, but he, he was walking me to my apartment, we got off on the third floor, and we ain't even make it to my room, we stopped in the hallway, and I just sat down, and I cried. Now, I have never, well, I've seen Tony cry before, but not like this. And he didn't know I was crying at first because I had my head down. I looked up and I'm like, I just looked at, this is my brother. Like like I said, we've been growing up since we was 13. I looked my brother in the face. <laughs> And I said, Tony, man, I don't think that I don't got much time here on earth. And Tony, he didn't say a word. He never, never said nothing. I said, I'm leaving soon. This I, I'm ready to go home. Like I, I want to go back. I want to go to heaven. I'm, I'm leaving soon, Tony. I don't got that much time on earth. I just want you to know that I love you. I'm sorry that I couldn't fight no more. I'm sorry that I'm giving up. But I just can't take it no more, Tony. I just can't take it. I just can't take it. But I love you, and I want you to be great in life, and I know that you're going to be great. And Tony was, like, crying. He was crying more than me. Mind you, I'm drunk in this moment, but I know how to snap out, snap out of my drunkness sometimes. And I just looked over, and I said, oh, snaps. Y'all got me crying right now. Shoot. I said, oh, snaps. Like, Tony was, like, it was like he had just seen me die like I was already dead he and we just hugged and I tell that story to say that if men get you a Tony in life get you a Tony that sits there and cries with you 
somebody that you can be vulnerable with in the moment. Somebody who won't say a word, but will just cry with you. I thank God for my Tony. Because his tears. And we never talked about that situation after that. But Tony, you're here right now. I'm sorry that you had to see that. But I thank God for you. And I love you, bro. Because your tears. Your tears helped me to want to continue to go on. So, man, as you can see, it is okay. It's okay to cry. It's okay to let out your emotions and feel. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this great experience of just crying today. Thank you for our emotions. Our emotions remind us that we are still human. Our emotions remind us that we are loved. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray then men can cry. I even pray for the women that have been taught to not be, to not show emotions. Matter of fact, I pray for every person who has guarded up their life and they are not able to be vulnerable because they are afraid of being hurt. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that they will open up that door and they will allow you to come in. I pray that you will be the first person ever that they have been vulnerable with. And I also pray that you will send them people that will comfort them so that they will have the ability to open up to them. Lord Jesus, hear our tears, understand our cries, and help us to become a better us. We thank you. And we praise you. Pray that whenever they listen to this, they will just take a moment to cry. I pray that the spirit will lead them to release what is inside of them. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I love you. Cry. And go tell somebody else it is okay to not be okay. And I'll see you next time on Grabbing My Sword.